Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be. Uh, Brett's already read the story, uh, Luke chapter 2. Have you ever had a Christmas that wasn't quite what you expected before? Uh, perhaps good or perhaps bad Christmas just wasn't exactly what you had anticipated or you had inspected. I remember one Christmas in college, I can't remember which Christmas, but I spent the holiday season with my first girlfriend uh, in college only to come to find out a couple weeks later we would break up. And it was like, man, that was not how I had anticipated things to go. I remember one Christmas I wanted a game system, a certain game system, and my parents weren't really fond of game systems. And so I, sure enough, I planted those seeds. You know how you do when you're a kid? And I circled the pages in the book and all of those steps that you're supposed to take. Then Christmas morning came and you had to, you know how you do, your kids do, you, you evaluate the gifts, right? If you're not allowed to touch them and shake them, you at least evaluate them. Like which one is about big enough to be the game system? Because I know I planted those seeds and sure enough, I put that one gift to the side because you have to open up that one last. If you open it up first, every other gift is a flop. And so and then you're working on the, your expressions and your emotions, like how, how impressed am I going to be by this? And so sure enough, I opened the gift and, and it wasn't there. There was no game system to be found. It wasn't really what I'd had expected. And now my parents spoiled us for Christmas. Nonetheless, I wasn't deprived as a child or anything like that. But some it just didn't go how I had anticipated. And maybe that's you th this year. We could all tell stories of Christmases of the unexpected, whether they be good or, or whether they be bad. Maybe that's you this year where Christmas just hasn't been the season in which it was supposed to be. Maybe this year has just been difficult and this year just didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Maybe sickness hit your home this year. Maybe you're stuck watching online because you're sick at home. Maybe travel plans changed. They were supposed to come in. You were supposed to go out. Perhaps death hit your home this year and just the Christmas season's a little bit heavier. Perhaps you put those subtle hints time and time again to that spouse or that parent, but you're sitting here with the gift that you wanted to receive, but you didn't receive. Perhaps it was just difficult things that come around, and it can be Christmases of really the unexpected. Maybe it's just life that passes you by. Maybe just things are different this year. I remember for years, for me, Christmas was growing up. Christmas was Christmas Eve morning, going to Grandma and Grandpa Summer's house with the relatives and with the cousins, and it was a great time there. And then we'd quickly turn around, we'd go to Grandma and Grandpa Burkett's, and we'd spend time there and with relatives and aunts and uncles and cousins. And then Christmas morning, we'd... I'd be woken up by my sister. She'd get out of bed because I loved to sleep. And my brother would probably be already up by the tree praying or something because he was the spiritual one in our family. And then my, my dad would be organizing all the gifts and getting ready to read the Christmas story. My mom's putting in the breakfast casserole for us to eat after after, after presents, not before presents, you eat after presents, right? And that, that, was, the, that was the time, but then time passes. People. Things change. People grow up, and sadly, people pass away, and things, things can be different. Things can not go how we anticipate. Things cannot go how we expect. And here in Luke chapter 2, we're reading the, about the birth of Jesus, and no matter what unexpected happened in your life this year, no matter where you're sitting here with joy or sitting here just kind of hurting because someone's not here with you, no matter what you have faced in the unexpected of this year, when we read this passage, 
We, we, there, there's something in this passage that no matter what, if you're a believer at least, there's peace. There's peace when you read the pages of this book. No matter the difficulty in which you face this year, we find peace flooded through this book that Christmas is, can be heavy, but if you're a believer in the room, Christmas is always peaceful. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas decorations. I love Christmas movies, of course. I love Christmas presents, right? There's so many different things we love about Christmas. But there's something that the, the, there was a, a guy 700 years before Christ was ever born that, that prophesied about Christ coming to this earth, and this is what he said to him. Isaiah 9, verse 7. For unto us a child is born, right? For unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? The Prince of Peace. That peace was on its way, and it was through a boy named Jesus. And peace is what I want to talk about this morning with you in our time together. Uh, but the question is, what is peace, right? What is peace? Some would say peace is the absence of war right? I want world peace. Some would say peace is the presence of equality. But the reality with peace is oftentimes peace in our own eyes is circumstantial to what's taking place in our own lives, right? E even the essence of uh, attaining peace is going to, this side of the, the room is going to say ideas to attain peace that are different from this side of the room. And this side of the room, we're all going to have different ideas of what is peace and what will bring peace. But the Bible shows us who, who is peace. And the word that the Bible points to us uh, about peace and the link of the word peace in Jesus is supernatural. It's the word shalom. Say it with me, Shalom. Shalom. Uh, that, that, that's a common greeting now when you go to Jerusalem. People greet with shalom. But, but it's so much more than just the absence of war and the presence of equality. That, that word literally means that, that shalom it will bring all brokenness and restore it. All brokenness. That, that shalom is taking all of brokenness and actually restoring it. That in a way, Jesus has come to, to take all brokenness. Not just your brokenness, all brokenness. And to come, and he has come to restore all brokenness. Now, of course, there's a choice to be made, right? But, but God has sent Jesus. In a way, God has implanted peace upon this world for us through Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. That true peace is not found in something that you attain or something you possess. That true peace is found in a gift given, and his name is Jesus. And we're going to see that this morning. And so this morning, we're going to see that Jesus is the gift of peace and that with a relationship with Jesus, we can have peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter the unexpected, because we have Jesus. Let's read verse 1 through 7 again this morning. It says this, And it came to pass in those days that a degree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered, should be taxed. And the census first took place while Cornelius was governing over Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Joseph went out from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so she brought forth the firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Isn't this such a remarkable story? 
Like the full picture, angel comes to Zacharias in the temple. Hey, you're going to have a baby, the forerunner of Christ. All of a sudden, uh, uh, Virgin Mary, uh, she, uh, an angel appears to her. Hey, you're going to have a baby. You don't know anyone yet. You're going to have a baby. This baby is going to be the son of God. He's going to be Jesus. She goes to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, a little news. I'm having a baby. It's not yours, but don't worry. God told me everything was going to be okay. Joseph goes. He's about to put her away privately. An angel comes to him. He's like, hey, don't do that. And so what happens? There's this tax and that they have to go to Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, they, they have a baby in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 is fulfilled, a birth in Bethlehem. And then there's these shepherds that come and these magi that, that comes. And then Simeon gets word that, hey, before you die, you're going to meet the Messiah. And all of a sudden, they meet Simeon. And so Simeon can kind of die in peace. And Herod gets jealous, tries to kill. They flee to Egypt. Chaos. Whoa. Truly a Christmas of unexpected. So many different things that take place, but through all that, there's peace. Peace is now present on earth. And if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to get this. Jesus is the gift of peace, and Jesus is the source of peace. Jesus is the gift of peace. They already know that. That's why I'm here today. Like, who else would come to church on Christmas if they didn't know Jesus was the gift of peace? But I also want us to be reminded that Jesus is the very source of peace. That, that Ephesians 2 says that he is our peace, that there is no shalom, there is no peace absent from Jesus. And we live in a world that is desperate for peace. But peace will not be found in a solution, in a position, or even in a wife. Peace is only found in a Savior. And if you know Jesus today, the Bible says, let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart. Let it, let it maintain in your heart. Let it continually abide there in your heart. And only there is where you can truly have peace in your life. And we talk about this peace. But the question is, is the pe- if you have the peace of God, is the peace of Christ flowing through your heart this morning? Is the peace of Christ flowing through you? This season is so peaceful, but is the peace of Christ flowing through you? I want you to notice three things about this passage this morning. The first thing is this. We've already hit this a little bit. But the first thing is this. There's peace in the unexpected. Look what it says in verse 1. There's peace in the unexpected. It says, all uh, it came to pass in those days that a degree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. First of all, I want you to notice there's this unexpected controversy. His name is Caesar Augustus. Previously known as Octavian, if you know your history. Octavian was adopted by Julius Caesar. And right before Julius Caesar dies, he, he splits up the Mediterranean world at that time into three parts. And so what, what essentially happened when he does that, it, it really started a brutal war. It started a brutal bloodbath. And Octavian would prevail. Cleopatra in Egypt would even try to get in on the action. Octavian would, would trump her in a way. And, and Octavian kind of takes control of all the Mediterranean world, all the Roman Empire, and he takes on the title Caesar Augustus. But the reason why it was great controversy, because he has dirty hands from all the bloody, all the blood and all the murders and all the war. He, he, he has greedy people are in leadership. Not only that, but he has, in a way, dirty money with, with Egyptian wealth that he's funneled through, and he's going to help build his Roman Empire. There was, there was great controversy, and all of this kind of set the stage for what is to come. And so we see this unexpected peace, but we first see there's, there's unexpected controversy. Then, secondly, we see there's an unexpected census. Understand this, 20-plus years of civil war. 
battling among each other, different regions, Octavians prevailing, Octavians prevailing. 20 plus years of civil war. The, the cities and the, the villages are in great despair at this time. Sometimes we imagine Rome at this time as like this powerhouse. They were a powerhouse, but, but there were people that were suffering. 20 plus years. Farms had been neglected. Wealth has either been destroyed or stolen. The walls, city walls have been destroyed and in decay. Streets were unsafe. There was chaos everywhere. It was truly a time desperate for peace. It was truly a time desperate for deliverance. Hence, Jesus comes. It was truly a time that was desperate. And so Caesar says, hey, I'm going to tax the nation. He could do this. Nobody could oppose him, right? He, he's already proved that. He's, he's the big shot. He's the powerhouse. He'll take out anyone. Not only that, but he's politically skillful. He's wise. He's smart. And so he does this. He taxes this nation. There's this unexpected tax. And this is the world that Jesus is introduced to. It's a world of chaos. It's a world of corruption. But outside of all that, what we really see in this story is we see unexpected peace. We see Joseph and Mary. Look at verse 4. It says this. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was great with child. And so picture this. There's this controversial leader. Cities are in decay. And then there's this taxing. This doesn't seem, this doesn't seem fair, right? But what we really see is, is peace. There's peace throughout Joseph and Mary. They just go. Sometimes we, we linger on the frustrations that may be there. But what we really see that's there is peace. They go. And the principle is this, be at peace, God is at work. That's the principle. Be faithful, stay faithful. They understood the promises would be fulfilled. They understood they're going to have a child, and they've already been promised to raise this child, and this child's going to be the son of God. Be at peace. They're blessed. Tax, all right, that's fine. They're at peace. That I know God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know God has a purpose for this. And so what we see through this text is we see there is peace filled through it. Yes, the cities are in despair. Sure, there may be some frustrations taking place at this time, but there's actually fulfillment coming to Bethlehem. There's fulfillment coming to Bethlehem. And it makes me think personally, what does God want to do with the unexpected and unwanted that happens in our lives? What, what does God want to do through the difficulties that we may have in our moment, that, that every moment is actually an opportunity to let the peace of Christ dwell in our lives, let the peace of Christ actually flow through our lives, that every frustration, I can have the peace of God, every temptation, I can have the peace of God, every tribulation, I can have the peace of God, and even every tragedy, that I can actually have the peace of God in my life, and I can let the peace of Christ actually flow through me and point others to the very peace that Christ has. But, he, but, he, but even think of the frustrations and the unexpected uh, that, that brought peace in this story. Think of Mary for a moment. Mary, young, faithful, obedient Mary, gets this news. She's with child. And there's no doubt, probably, especially in our culture, like, Ladies dream of this moment. She's about to have her first baby boy. We saw a couple weeks ago, Elizabeth has a baby. John the Baptist, and what's the Bible say? The Bible says the neighbors and the relatives gather around, and there was a great celebration because she had a boy. That was the Jewish culture. There's no doubt Mary's dreamt of this moment. About to, about to celebrate with her friends, her relatives, and family. Psych, you're going to Bethlehem. You're going to a stable. You're going to be alone. 
She has no family there, but, but what does she have? She has peace. There's peace in the unexpected. Think of Joseph. He, he didn't sign up for this. He was supposed to be marrying a faithful, innocent girl, Mary. And, and he didn't sign up, but, but there's peace. And the, the principle is that there's peace because God is moving. And in Christ, there is peace. Peace in the unexpected. Secondly, I want you to notice this. There's peace now on earth. There's peace in the unexpected because there's peace on earth. So it was, verse 6, that while they were there, her days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And Jesus is born. And now peace is present on earth. That's an amazing, amazing thing. But the birth that deserves all glory and all praise arrives secluded and alone. No one there, alone in a manger. And yet this baby alone in a manger, the Bible says that even the multitudes in heaven shout. Look what verse 14 says. It says, the angel says, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, good will towards men. Notice there is now peace on earth. But the first thing I want you to notice under this is the humility of peace. There's humility of peace. Jesus is born in a place where no child should be born, let alone a king, in a feeding trough. And we don't know, there's speculation, we don't know whether it was a cave or whether it was a barn or whether it was a street alley or a courtyard. We don't know, but all we do know is that he was born in a place of no glory. He was born in a place of absolutely no glory. And Jesus shows us from the very beginning of his life that peace is not found in a comfort or a position. True peace is found in Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus takes his place in a humble manger so that he could one day take his place on a rugged cross to die for the sins of the entire world. That's the humility of God. And what this story shows us is that incarnate God has come to you. That that incarnate God in flesh has actually come, and he's actually came for you. That the Bible says that we cannot go to God unless he first comes to us. That's why Matthew says you will, they will call him Emmanuel, which is interpreted what? God with us. That he has humbly come for you. And, and do you know him this morning? And if you do know him this morning, how has God in flesh coming down for us changed everything for you? How has it changed the life that you live? How has it changed the perspective that you have? How has it changed the mindset in which you flow, in which you live your life, the humility? But then secondly, I want you to notice the purpose of the peace. It tells us in Luke 19 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, that his purpose was to redeem you. You think of, think of even the, the, the parallels of the story. Jesus is born. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is really symbolic of a, of a Passover sacrifice. It's what they would do to make sure their lambs stayed pure in the Passover sacrifice. And he's placed in a feeding trough. Now, traditionally, even in our picture, we see like this X wooden kind of cross or kind of a, a thing. That's what we would speculate but, but the reality is, in Bethlehem, it, it probably was stone. Now, this is speculation, but, but probably was stone. They probably carved something out. Uh, nonetheless, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's laid in a feeding trough. And then 33 years later, he'll die. He'll take on your sins, and he'll take on my sins, and he'll be wrapped again. And he'll be laid in an empty tomb. Like, that's, that's his purpose. His purpose was to come 
and to redeem you. His purpose was to come and to save you. His purpose was to come, not be received in glory, but to, 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 to be our replacement so that we can attain glory, so that we can have glory, so that we can have his presence again. That's his purpose, to redeem you. But we also see a second purpose. He also purposed to commission you. Luke 20, 21 says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. That yes, he has come to seek and to save that which was lost, but after you believe in him, he's called you to go and tell. As we saying, go tell it on the mountain. Tell what? That peace has come. Peace has come. Peace is here on earth. Let me ask, who have you told that peace has come? Twelve months in a year, who have you told? Have you told one that peace is present? That peace has come, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except through, through Jesus. Who, who have you told? 20, at least 28 days in a month. Who, who have you told that peace has come? I remember whenever I got a call about 11 months ago from, from a church in Indiana called Village. <laughs> I had a call. They had some vote, right? And they called me, and they said, hey, only a few people don't like you. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they, they had a vote, and they said, hey, uh, you, got, you got the job. We, we want your parents, we want, we want your family to come, and we want you to come and, and lead our church. And I, I, man, let me tell you, I was so excited. We couldn't help. I was watching the video back a couple different times, and it was just such an awesome time. It was such great news. I couldn't help but go and tell everybody that I knew. I had so many people praying, some that I wouldn't get the job, and some that I would get the job, and I had so many people praying, and I was excited. I couldn't help. I was calling people. I was texting people. People were texting me. I couldn't help but tell people. And let me tell you, I love you, church. I love you. I love you. But that, that, as great as that news was, that news frails into comparison to, to the greatest news that peace has come and that Jesus was born and that Jesus would die for you. Who have you told? Peace has come. Go, go and tell. Peace is available and we can have peace through the unexpected because peace is present because of Jesus. But the third thing I want you to see is this. Peace is now offered to you. Peace is actually now offered to you. Look what verse 8 says. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. The Bible says that, hey, there's peace offered to you. The Bible says that there's shepherds watching over their flock by night. Now we don't know... Uh, we can speculate a lot about the shepherds, but here's one thing we know for certain about shepherds. Shepherds in this day were insignificant. Nobody grew up saying, hey, I want to be a shepherd one day. It just didn't happen. In that day, they were insignificant. It was brutal hours, rough temperatures, cold environments. In fact, in that day, shepherds weren't even allowed to vote. There was no benefit to being a shepherd. Now, some would speculate, some commentaries would tell us that these were actually temple shepherds in Bethlehem caring for the, uh, caring for the uh, soon-to-be sacrificed lambs. But either way, I'm not going to say that we're not. There's speculation there. I'm going to study it out a little bit more, actually, for next year. If it is, that'd be an awesome story. But nonetheless, either way, they, they're insignificant. They're, they're, they're low on the totem pole. They're not really valuable. And this angel Lord appears to them. And the glory of the Lord shows round about them. And the Bible says there was this real fear. 
We've talked a little bit about fear in the past few weeks, and this was not a reverent fear, like they were in awe. This was not just like a startled fear. The, the Greek word here means frightening with massive fear. They, they were, in a way, they were terrified. But this angel comes, and, she, and they announce peace is offered through this unexpected Savior. Look what the angel says. It says this, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And, and this is part of my message, but, but side note, I love that this angel appears, gives this news, and then gives an action point. And says, hey, here, this is what happened, and, and here's the steps to find it. Here's how, you can, here's how you can find this Savior. And we don't know what type of shepherds these guys were, but what we do know is that they were caring for lambs, and this angel comes and says, hey, the final lamb of God, the, the final lamb for sacrifice, the, the lamb of God has come this day. Go and see. There's peace now offered to you. Go and see. And this peace is offered through Jesus, the Savior. But let's be real, this wasn't what they had expected. Remember what the angel promised to Mary in Luke 1? He says, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the highest. It says, uh, he, 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 um, where is it at? He says he's going to be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. This is where the Jews missed it. They thought he was going to come and reign in this earthly kingdom, handle Rome, handle the oppression, going to take it out. But, but Jesus did not come for this earthly kingdom. Jesus came for an eternal kingdom, and a kingdom that was relevant then and still relevant today and will be relevant long, be, long when Village Bible Church is gone. This kingdom will reign for, forever. This is why Jesus came, that his kingdom truly had no end. But when we read the Bible, there's a sad reality and sometimes it's hard for us to grasp, grasp that so many people let Jesus walk on by without ever believing because they were, they were more concerned with present peace than following after the Prince of Peace. They missed it because of who they expected. And there's a sad reality that we can do the same thing. There's so many people in our day rejecting Jesus because Jesus doesn't fit into their life. I was plowing some roads the other on Friday with, with a couple guys, and we were talking about church. They found out I was a pastor, and, and that's exactly what it was, that Jesus just didn't work out for me, that Jesus didn't just fit into my life. And, and so many Christians even neglect letting Christ, the peace of Christ, dwell in our hearts day in and day out because they don't find a purpose for him. He doesn't fit into their day, and so they abandon him with their lives, and so we struggle. And our world struggles to live at peace because we struggle to be at peace with Christ. We struggle to let the peace of Christ dwell in us because we struggle to live a life for Christ. And so are we living a life for Christ this morning? Have you ever had a time when your world kind of just paused, the world kind of just slowed down, perspective just changed a little bit. Maybe you just saw a, a, car wreck, a car wreck, and so everything's in slow motion. Maybe you're about to be in a car wreck, and everything is in slow motion. 
Maybe you've had uh, a death from, from a close relative or a close friend and kind of just put life into perspective. Maybe you've had rough news, like it's cancer or, or, or whatever, it, or I don't love you anymore, whatever it is that it just kind of slowed life down, put things into perspective. Sometimes when you go through those things, there, if you're a believer, there can be a peace about it. You don't even know how you, you have peace in this moment, but you have peace because, because of Christ. And what tends to happen when something like that happens, whether it was through conviction, through frustration, through a moment, or you're just humbled before God, you have this peace. But what's typical that happens? This peace that's inside you begins to fade as you turn your mindset back to self. (laughs) It's almost like time uh, just kind of puts things back to where they should be, and we miss it, or where they shouldn't be, and we miss it. Because Jesus told us when he lived his life, here's how, here's how you keep that peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's he saying in that? Seek ye first the eternal kingdom. Don't be like the Jews. They got wrapped up in the present, but you need to seek the eternal. Fix your mind on the eternal kingdom. And sometimes we struggle to live at peace in life because we, we don't fix our mind on the eternal. We're so focused on the present. We're so focused on what takes place now. And Jesus tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God, that he knew this would be a daily commitment. This would be a daily need to fix your focus on the eternal kingdom, or you're just going to get overwhelmed by the present affairs of this day. Fix your eyes on the eternal, because there's peace offered to you. Go, Go and see. Go and see. But so often we miss it. Peace has come. It's offered to you. But the thing about this peace is, lastly, it needs a response. This peace needs a response. Because the angel says, hey, go and see. You're going to find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, there's this band of soldiers. There's this band of angels that begin to proclaim praise and begin to proclaim peace. And what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. In a way, they're saying, God's a God who keeps his promises. I've told you. He's told you. This has been prophesied long ago. God is a God who keeps his promises. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Jesus is present. Shalom is present. All brokenness now has the right to be restored because Jesus came. This is good will on earth for men. What does he say? This is offered to you. Peace is now available to you. So respond. So respond. And so what do they do? They go peace is available. It was the birth, it was the death, and it was the resurrection of Jesus that has opened the door for something that previously was unknown, peace, to be known because Jesus is the very source of our peace. But do you have peace this morning? This season is so peaceful. Seeing family and friends and relatives and getting gifts and exchanging gifts and singing carols and reading the Bible together. But is that peace that you feel in this moment living through your life each and every day? It's the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart. I want to ask the musicians to come up. And as they come up, I want to ask you to turn to a spirit of prayer. If you're, if you're not familiar with that language, what I'm essentially asking you to do is to, to uh, turn to a spirit of prayer. Whatever prayer is to you, turn to it. Maybe that's bow your heads and close your eyes. But I want you to dwell for a moment to, in a way, eliminate distractions and just focus on you. Just focus on you and Christ. That's all I want you to focus on. We're going to have some music that plays in the background for us at this time. And I just want to allow you a time to, to evaluate how peaceful you are.
Uh, is the peace of Christ actually flowing through your life? I told you I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. But if you're a believer, Christmas is just the beginning. If you're not a believer, Christmas is still just the beginning. You just don't know it yet. It's just the beginning. The Bible says that Jesus literally was born in a manger. But not to reign on this earth but to suffer, to die for you and for me. Oh, he'll come back to reign. Don't you worry about that. He, he's, on, he's on his way. He's going to reign. He's, he's reigning in eternity right now. He has control of everything. His hands are guiding everything. You say, Travis, why, why does he have to come to suffer? You just said he suffered in, in our place. Why? I thought you just said he was peace. Shouldn't peace be the absence of suffering? Well, it's funny you ask that because that's exactly what, what happened. That Jesus came to remove the suffering. That Jesus came to actually suffer in our place. That he came to instill in us a peace that passes all understanding. That's what Jesus has actually come to do. And you know, sometimes what confuses our peace is that we can get enough of Jesus not to need him anymore. And so we don't live a life of peace. We don't let the peace of Christ dwell in us richly because we don't actually think we need Christ each and every day. Like I have eternal peace, check. But we need the peace of Christ to dwell in us richly. And so let me ask, do you, do you have the peace of Christ? Why do problems consume me? Why do frustrations just just take over? Why does temptations? Why can I never get a hold? Why am I just so overwhelmed? Let me ask, is the peace of Christ dwelling in you richly? That, that we, we can get so upset over a gift exchange or if I didn't receive this or if they didn't react this way off the gift that I gave them. They didn't thank me for the food. Whatever it is, we can get so overworked and overwhelmed even in this season. But do we have the peace of God? Do, have you been saved? And then are you allowing the peace of Christ to dwell in you richly? To, to overflow you? Do you have peace? It's truly an unexpected Christmas, but there is peace. You know, I think there are two types of people in the room this, this morning. First of all, there's, there's believers. Maybe you're a believer and you're even trying your hardest to, to live for God, but, but you know there's something trying to rob you of peace. And I want to encourage you in a moment of prayer like this to ask God to help you to allow the peace of Christ to dwell in you richly. Say, how's that happen? Dedicate your life to him. Determine to follow him. Lord, Lord, I want to pursue you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to dedicate everything to you. This thing that's trying to rob it, Lord, take it. Take control. Humble me. Lord, I need peace. There's a second type of person in the room. That's an unbeliever. You don't have peace in this life. You don't have the peace of God because you don't know the Prince of Peace. Everybody wants peace in life. But peace is only found through a relationship with Jesus. And you need to know that Jesus literally came. He literally humbled himself, born in a manger, to be hung on a cross. And he did it so that you could know peace 
so that you could have peace and you could have hope and you could have eternal life? Do you, do you know him this morning? You know, there's something you need to know about me. I should have told you at the beginning, whether you're a member of our church or whether this is your first time here or whether you only come once a year during Christmas, there's something you need to know about me. It's not that I'm a pastor, it's that I'm a sinner. And here's the thing about it. I'm really, really good at it. I'm really good at sinning. And I imagine you are too. The Bible says sin is anything that you think, say, or do that displeases God. Breaks God's laws, breaks God's commands. And you look great this morning. You look nice this morning. If you're watching online, your PJs, I'm jealous of you. But y'all look great this morning. But here's the thing. You don't, you don't have to play it. You don't have to play the part. Because the Bible will tell us that there's actually none good in you apart from Jesus. And that sounds like very bad news, but it's actually the best news because that's why he was born. That's why he was born in a manger. That's why he died on a cross to redeem you, to heal you, to give you peace and not just give you eternal peace, but give you a peace that passes all understanding each and every day. So let me ask, do you know him? Do you have peace in Christ this morning? The Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and turn from your sins and you can be saved. He says, pray something like, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's no shalom without you. I know there's no peace without you. Enter my life, enter my heart, cleanse me of my sin. Lord, save me. Help me turn from my sin. The Bible says that if you believe something like that in your heart and you turn from your sin, you can be saved. The Bible says that, that salvation is a relationship, that it's not supposed to be done alone. And if that's you this morning, I would love to, to meet you, take you out for coffee. I would love to help you on this journey with Jesus. Let me ask, do you have peace? Are you saved? Let me ask, is the peace of Christ flowing through your life in each and every decision that you make? It shouldn't just be Christmas that we're so peaceful. It should flow through us every single day. Are we peaceful? And do we, like those shepherds, respond in worship? Think of the song, Old Holy Night, that's in our photo booth. You can take your pictures there afterwards. It says a whole lot of things, and then the chorus, what's it say? fall on your knees. That's why he came. To give us opportunity and humility as he came humbly for us to humbly fall on our knees because there's no greater place to be than on our knees before our Lord. Do you have peace? Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Christmas. Lord, I pray that there's a sense of humility in this room. That you even allow us to echo words of praise to you, of need to you, of thanks to you. That if it were not for this birth in a manger, there would be no cross, there would be no resurrection. If you didn't fill the manger, there would never be an empty tomb. And so, Lord, thank you for a baby in a manger. Lord, I pray that you'll give us peace this morning. 
Lord, I pray that if someone doesn't know you, that they'll come to know you. Lord, I pray that if we do know you in this room, that there'll be a peace, not just in the moment, but that surpasses understanding because you are God deserving of everything and we give you glory. And may we give you glory here as we sing. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.